Well, good morning, church. How are you doing today? Not too bad on one less hour of sleep. Has that messed with any of you? <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, you know what I always say when you get one less hour of sleep, that's one more cup of coffee. So there you go, <laughs> kind of make up for the difference. So hey, if you're a first time guest with us here today and you accepted someone's invitation to be our guest uh, in our house today, in our home, we welcome you. Can we give it up for our first time guest today? Thank you guys. We hope your experience thus far has been a good one and I uh, want to welcome all of our campuses, our Franklin campus, our Banta campus, as well as our Greenwood campus, all of you who regularly attend, welcome back. Uh, we're in a series right now called Unshakable. And basically in this series, what we've been trying to talk about or answer is uh, how do you stay strong when things go wrong? And we looked at a couple of passages so far in this series. Uh, Jesus actually said that in this world, you will have many trials and many sorrows. No one gets through this life without difficulty. The question is, how do we go through that difficulty and stay strong? How do we live an unshakable life when we have a financial setback or relationship setback? Or maybe there's some rejection or a job loss, or, or maybe even it's uh, the loss of a loved one. And we've had some folks here recently go through that in our local congregation. And how do you go through something like that and stay strong in your faith and live an unshakable life. Week one, we talked about do the right thing. That was two weeks ago. Week last week, we talked about entrusting our life and putting our life in God's hands. And uh, this week, I want to talk about a third principle that I believe if we would put into practice, we will, it will help us to live an unshakable life. So let's dive in right away. You know, something that we all do when it comes to difficulty and trials and when we go through adversity is we try to connect the dots, don't we? We try to seek perspective. We're like the first disciples. The first disciples uh, came across a, a guy in, in, in uh, the book of John. It's recorded in John chapter 9. They came across a man who was born blind. And the perspective that they had, reading all the way back in the Old Testament, was that when something bad would happen to you, like you're born blind, it must, the understanding must be that someone has sinned. Listen to John chapter 9, verse 12. This is what they asked Jesus. Jesus, rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. You see what they're trying to do? They're trying to understand why this tragedy has taken place. Don't you and I do the same thing? Something bad happens, you've had a friend say this, you've had a loved one say this, you'd have, you've had a family member say this, someone, a, cl a classmate, classmate maybe has, has said this, maybe a coworker has said this. When something goes wrong in their life, they say, see, this is why religion doesn't work. Faith doesn't work. Look what happened in my life. I was, I was betrayed. Someone stole this from me. I had a loved one pass away. See, if God was loving and if things were, you know, if faith really worked, then this wouldn't have happened to me. Why me, right? What, what are people doing when they say that? What, what, what did you do in the past when you said that? In fact, some of you may have walked through the doors today, you're watching today, online, and, and that's how you've connected the dots. You have doubts about God, you have doubts about faith because of the negative things that have taken place in your life. That's pretty common. What are we trying to do there? We're trying to connect the dots. We're trying to seek understanding. Why, does it, why has this happened to me? Another, another way people connect the dots, they say this, nothing good ever happens for me. I'm going to stop getting my hopes up. <laughs> People just, they come to that conclusion and they expect everything to unravel in their life. 
That's just a way of understanding. That's, that's how it goes in my life. What are people doing when they say that? They're, they're trying to understand their life. They're trying to understand their world. We're just like the first disciples. Perspective. Perspective is so important. Why? Here's why perspective is so important. Perspective is so important because it shapes how we feel. It gives the events of our lives meaning, and that meaning creates emotions in our life, like encouragement or discouragement, like sadness or anger or depression or joy or happiness. The way we understand events and that have happened or taken place to us, uh, uh, taken place in our lives, or our perspective on those events shapes our emotional state, which in turn drives our behavior. Right? Isn't this why we, as parents, we're always stepping in to give what? To give perspective. Kid comes home from school. I hate school. I'm never. I don't want to go back. It's pointless. I'm never going to use this math in my life ever. Right? Good point. <laughs> us parents, right? I remember thinking that way. You know, and, 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 and their perspective on school is that it is worthless, right? And so what do we do as parents? We step in and say, time out, I'm going to give you a different perspective, see? So you need to go to school because you need to get your education to get your degree, and that way you can one day get a job and creates discipline, it creates hard work and stick to perseverance. And what are we doing as parents when we do that? We're trying to give what? We're trying to give perspective. Why? So that our kids will feel differently about what? About school. And maybe if they feel differently about school, that they'll actually do their homework and study, see? Parents are doing this all the time. Kid, kid comes home from school, I want to start dating. Oh, everybody else is dating, Dad. I'm the only one that doesn't have a girlfriend. Okay. Listen, you know, okay. I just feel odd. I feel left out. I'd like to start dating. Okay, okay. Can I give you my perspective on dating? And then we try to say, well, here's why you shouldn't. And, you know, here's the downfalls and here's the pitfalls and here's the temptation you're going to put yourself in the path of and blah, blah. What are we doing as parents? We're doing our, first of all, we're doing our jobs, right? (laughs) You know, and grandparents, I don't know where you're at on this, but you're supposed to be helping us parents. (laughs) Man, give us a little help. I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. But we, we try to come in. We try to give perspective because perspective gives, it creates an emotional state. And that emotional state is what drives behavior. How important is perspective? It's majorly important. And he, here's what I want to do today. I, I just want to give you perspective. That's all I want to do. That's what I want. I want to give you some perspective on difficulties in trial. Here's our third principle in our series. Take the right perspective, because it creates an emotional state, and that emotional state determines how you respond and what you do and what your next step is in light of the difficulty. What is perspective? It's just a way of seeing. It's a mental view of reality. It's all it is. We have friends step in when we're going through a hard time. We have some difficulty. We have a friend step into our life, and here's what they actually say sometimes. That, this is a quote. Can I share my perspective with you? Why does a friend step into your life and say that? Because they're noticing that you're discouraged. They're noticing that because of the events that have taken place, your spirit and your soul is kind of down. And so they step in and say, hey, can I give you a little perspective? In hopes to encourage your spirit so that you'll take different actions. It's just a mental view of reality. It's just a, a different way of seeing things. It's so critical. 
that we have the right perspective on difficulties and trials. And that's all I want to do for you today. One of my favorite quotes in regards to difficulty and adversity is from Henry Arthur Ward. He said this, adversity causes some men to break and others to break records. Well, what's the, what makes the difference between someone who, who has a hard you know, trial come into their life and it, it causes them to soar and rise to the next level and this other person goes through a difficulty and it crushes them and they get into a funk, into like a, a two-month depression. Like, what's the difference? I'm sure there's a lot of factors. But I think the major factor is perspective. Perspective is a way of seeing. Perspective is just a view of reality. Like right now, I can't see any of you because I'm nearsighted. (laughs) Okay? So it's like a blur of humanity right now. (laughs) But when I put my glasses on and I get some perspective, hashtag I see you. (laughs) Hashtag I see you making your grocery list sometimes when I'm preaching. I do. Playing your little clash or whatever game on your, you know, on Facebook and, and do these, these, these different things, texting friends, because I can see you. Why? Why can I see you? Because I have perspective. All I want to do today is just give you perspective see, in hopes that what is blurry and what is confusing can suddenly come into, you can get some clarity on it and go, oh my gosh. And when you can get some clarity on difficulty and trials and what they're all about, man, you can have a different emotional state and that a different emotional state will drive you to take some different actions. You with me? Yes or no? Let me give you what I believe is the proper perspective, the right perspective on difficulties and trials. Ready? The difficulty, the adversity is for your, say it with me, it's for your growth. This is a hard sell. This is a hard sell. But I think that at the end of this talk, you'll you'll agree with me. The trial is to make you stronger. The difficulty is to grow you. Internally, and externally. Two ways, two types of growth. Let's talk about the first one. Let's talk about internal growth. What do I mean by internal growth? I'm talking about the soul. Growth in the part of you that, you, that people cannot see. Your thoughts, your will, your emotions, your internal strength, your character on the inside. God allows difficulty and trial, trials and pain to come into our life to grow us internally. Many of you know who Helen Keller was. Raise your hand if you knew who Helen Keller was, right? Very, at a very, very young age, she had a severe illness. It took away her ability to see. It took away her ability to hear. Thankfully, she had some people in her life help her. She went on to do incredible things with her life. At one point, she was honored by the President of the United States for her accomplishments. From 1947 to 1956, she went to 35 countries on five different continents and spoke to millions of people and inspired them and encouraged them. She had tremendous obstacles to overcome, and she didn't let one of them stop her. This is what she said about trials. Character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. I wish it could. I wish we could go to the beach and become better people on the inside, right? (laughs) Get some rays and chill out. (laughs) Here's what she says. Only through the experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired, and success achieved. She's not just pontificating. She's just not just talking. She's talking about her life. Like the only way you grow in character, the only way that you grow on the inside at the soul level is when you go through hardship and you go through difficulty 
and you go through pain. I wish it wasn't so, but it is. The brother of Jesus, James, that, that gives him some credibility, <laughs> okay? I have brothers, you know. They know who you are. They know who you really are. The brother of Jesus said some amazing things about difficulties and how they grow us internally. Listen to what he said. He talked about three different types of growth internally. Joy, faith, and endurance. Let's talk about the first one, joy. James chapter 1 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, this is James. When troubles come your way, notice he, he doesn't say if, but when. They will come into your life, right? When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great, say it with me, joy. A little bit louder. Joy, an opportunity for great joy. Whoa, what's going on here? This is weird. Trouble is an opportunity for great joy. We're going to talk about why that's true in a second, but let's just talk about what joy is for a second. Why do I need joy? Why do you need joy in your life? What is joy? Joy is a pervasive sense of well-being regardless of your circumstances. It's different from happiness. Happiness is this emotional feeling that we get that is often tied to something going our way. We get the raise, you know, she said yes to, you know, you know the date or, or, or whatever the deal was. You know, we, we got the car we really wanted or we got the clothes on the house or whatever. Some good thing has happened in our life and we're happy about it. Joy is different. Joy is something deeper at the soul level. And it's not connected to any out, outward circumstances. Joy. Why do we need joy? Because joy gives our, our lives strength. Joy is the great stabilizer. It is the, the number one character trait of the disciple. Sec, probably second to love. Only love. Joy is the great stabilizer in our life. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says this. The joy of the Lord is our, say it with me strength. See, joy gives strength to a person's life. Jesus said, these things I have spoken unto you, John 15, 11, these things I have written to you, I've spoken to you that my joy might be in you so that your joy can be full. His plan for our lives, his plan for your life is, is to be brimming over with joy. He wants your soul to be filled with joy. Why? Because it gives strength to your life. In the Old Testament, I was just reading it. There's all these seven-day festivals that God says to his people, you will have a seven-day festival to, to remember this and a seven-day festival to do this. And on those seven-day festivals, no one's allowed to work. It's just a big party. He commanded them to celebrate. Why? Because joy is serious business. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So, G, so James says, here's the deal with trials and difficulty. Here's what, here's what God is doing. He's building this character trait of joy because when your life is filled with joy, it pushes out the anger. It pushes out the fear. It pushes out the worry. It pushes out the jealousy. It pushes out the envy and all these negative character traits when your life is overflowing with joy. It's the great stabilizer. Why is our life filled with joy because of trials? Well, it's because of number two, the second character trait, faith. Listen to what James says here. For you know that when your faith is tested. See, here's what's going on with trials and difficulties. It's giving us an opportunity to grow this muscle inside of us called faith. How important is faith? Well, if you were here last week, you heard me talk about Matthew chapter 8 and the boys in the boat and the winds and the waves are coming in and Jesus is asleep and he's taking a nap and they freak out, right? And they wake him up and they say, Jesus, don't you love us? We're drowning. Come on. He gets up and the first thing out of his mouth is what? Oh, you of little 
faith. See, the trial, the, the difficulty, the adversity always reveals the quality of my faith and your faith as it did with the disciples. So how am I going to grow that faith? Well, I have to get into the wind. I have to get into the waves to see well, the quality of my faith and to practice strengthening my faith. And when my faith is strong, that leads to all kinds of joy instead of fear. So the reason I can have joy in my life is because I know that God is growing my faith. How important is faith? Hebrews 11.6, it says this. It is impossible to please God without what? Faith. Jesus, when, if you read the New Testament and you're serious about it, what you'll see is that Jesus is always looking for people who have faith. And when, when someone's heart was filled with faith and they would reach out and try to touch them or would try to get to them, Jesus would see their faith and he, he would heal them and he would say, it's because of your, say with me, faith that you are healed. He's looking for faith. He's looking for people who believe in who he is and what he can do. And when he finds a person like that, oh, man, he gets behind them and he supports them. And he works on their behalf and he works through them faith. What's going on with the trial and the difficulty? God's growing us. What is he doing? He's growing us internally. He's building our joy. He's building our faith in the letter of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's one of my favorite passages on the whole issue of trials and difficulty. The apostle Paul had gone through something horrible. He doesn't tell us exactly what it is. He's writing to the Christians in Corinth, but he tells us it's really bad. It was so bad that they, they began to despair for life itself. Listen to what he says in chapter 1. In fact, we expected to die. It's like they got to the point where it's like, you know, this is the end. Like this situation is so bad that I think this is our last day on earth. But it wasn't. He says, but as a result, as a result of what? As a result of going through the difficulty, we stopped relying upon ourselves and learned to rely upon God who raises the dead. It's like, well, how do you get to that point? Man, I want to have faith like that. I want to stop relying upon myself. Anybody else? I want, to, I want to rely completely 100% on God every day of my life. Well, how do you get there? I wish I could go into my, I have this little study in my office. It's so awesome. There's all kinds of books and Bibles and commentaries. It's a very spiritual place. And I go in there often to read and study and pray. I wish I could just go into my study and come out and be like, oh, I fully trust God. You know what God says? Now, that'll help. But the way you're going to learn to stop relying upon yourself is by going through something very difficult. And that, happens. that happened to me. I got to the point in my life several years ago where it was like, God, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can say. There's no action I can take to change the situation in my life. You're going to have to work because I'm completely and utterly helpless. Sometimes God, we don't come to realize that God is all we need until God is all we have. Have you ever realized that? That's what Paul is saying here. As a result of the trial, we stopped trusting in ourselves and we learned to rely upon God who does the miraculous, who raises the dead. So we got joy, we got faith, but that's not all. Paul says this, for you know that when your faith is tested, watch this, endurance. Endurance, this third character trait comes up. Your endurance has a chance to what? To grow. Like the trial is an opportunity for this character trait of endurance, this ability to keep on going when things are hard, has this, has this chance to grow. Well, 
How do you grow endurance in your life? You've got to go through something difficult. You've got to go through some pain, and that's the opportunity for your endurance to grow. And, and how can it not grow? You're trusting in God. You're putting your hope in God, and then you see him work, and you come out on the other side of the trial, and you're like, oh my gosh, we made it. Endurance is this, this mindset that says, you know what? We will get through this. Our God is faithful. Well, how do you learn that? How do you grow that muscle? You've got to go through the trial. I wish it wasn't so. <laughs> I wish God had another way to build endurance in us. But he says, no, we're going to go right through the difficulty together. And when you come out on the other side, you're going to be stronger. Endurance. So what does James say? Let it grow. Come on, come on. Work with me here. Let endurance grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be, say it with me, perfect and complete. You'll be just like Christ. You'll be just like my brother, James is saying. Jesus was perfect and complete. He was fully capable to go through any situation and deal with it with 100% faith, no fear, no worry, no anxiety. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to make you perfect and complete. Not sinless, not sinless, just ready. Filled with endurance, filled with faith. That's what God is doing in your life. Years ago, I read a little passage from Mere Christianity, and I want to share it with you. It's basically James's perspective. But C.S. Lewis has a way of saying things that are memorable. He's talking about a new Christian and trials and difficulties. Lewis says, when troubles come along, illnesses, money troubles, new kinds of temptation, he, that is the new Christian, is disappointed. These things he feels might have been necessary to rouse him and make him repent in his bad old days. But why now? See, we're always seeking perspective. Why now? Why, why am I going through this pain right now? Jesus already gave my life to you. I go to church every weekend. I try to read my Bible. I try to pray. Why now? Because God is forcing him on or up to a higher level, putting him into situations where he will have to be very much braver or more patient or more loving than he ever dreamed of being before. It seems to us all unnecessary, but that is because we have not yet had the slightest notion of the tremendous thing he means to make of us. Changed my life. So the reason we don't understand the difficulty, the reason we get disappointed with pain and trials and difficulties and adversity is because we don't understand, the, we don't have the slightest notion of the tremendous thing he means to make of us. What is he trying to make of us? He's trying to make you into a little Christ, a little Jesus, perfect and complete, needing nothing. Well, that changes everything. That lens right there changes how I go through every single difficulty in my entire life. Yes or no? If you put it on. If you take that lens and put it on. Oh, wait, so what you're saying is that the, the, the trial is for my growth, joy, faith, and endurance. Yes. He means to make a tremendous thing out of you. What about external growth? That's all internal growth. That's at the soul level. That's at the character level. That's the Helen Keller quote, right? Character does not develop in ease and quiet. But let's look at external growth. What do we mean by external growth? What we're talking about here is our impact on others. What I mean here is that God wants to take you through something difficult, through, through something painful, through some adversity, so that you can become a deep, rich 
source of compassion, love, insight, and wisdom and experience for the other seven billion people on this planet. Have you heard? Come on, have you heard? Like there's seven billion people on this planet. The story cannot be about you. Amen? Come on. Come on. You thought it was about you. It's not about you. There's a lot of us here. Okay? Guess who's on God's mind? All seven billion of us. Not just you. Does he love you? Absolutely. Does he know how many hairs are on your head or not on your head? Yes. He cares about you. He also cares about the other 6.9999999 million people. Billion people. So that must mean that God, you, you're going to take me through this difficulty. You're going to take me through this trial so that my life can be a blessing to the other cre- creatures that you have put on this planet. The other human beings. Absolutely. Listen to Paul. This is exactly what he says in 2 Corinthians. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. Listen to what God does, this God of compassion and comfort. He comes to us and he comforts us in our, say it with me, in our troubles, our difficulties, the betrayals, the rejections, the the sicknesses, the cancers, the losses, the death, the problems with the teenagers, all the problems that we have, right? He comes to us and he comforts us and he gives us insight and he wraps his arms around us. For what purpose? Watch. So that we can comfort, oh, there it is, those in any trouble. With what? With the comfort we have received from God. (laughs) Don't you love it? Don't you love God? Some of you have been through cancer and you've come out on the other side. Why? God has strategically worked in you to be able to help someone else going through cancer. He's comforted you. He's given you insight. He's healed you up to a certain extent so that you could be a blessing to others. One time Jesus said it this way, let your light so shine before people that they might see your good works and what you've gone through and give glory to our Father who's in heaven. He wants you to now turn to the rest of the hurting, broken world and be a blessing to them with the comfort you've received from God. I have a friend, some of you know her, her name's Jenny, she's my assistant. Two, almost two years ago, she lost her husband to cancer. And uh, I watched her go through that. Many of you watched her go through that. She blogged about it, and some of you read her blog. And She's one of the strongest people I know. And there are others like her in this church that have gone through loss and cancer and death and all those things. But two weeks ago, I got to watch Jenny share a talk with the mothers in our church. It's called Mom's Time Out, MTO. And I watched about three quarters of the talk that she gave to these moms. And she talked about the experiences and the wisdom that she had gleaned from the experience of losing her husband and the grief and the pain and the hurt and how to deal with it and how to move forward. And I just watched it and I just sat there and I thought, oh my gosh, there it is. I was witnessing what Paul was writing about. That Jenny has become a a different type of person because of the loss of her husband. She's not keeping that all to herself and oh, woe is me and oh, this is my life horrible and oh, I lost my husband and oh, my pity party, pity party, pity. I'm sure she's had many, many days like that, (laughs) right? She's human. 
But now it's like, okay, like, how can I share this? The perspectives that I now have that I wouldn't have had had Brian not died. See, I can't help somebody as well as she can go through the loss of a loved one because I've never lost somebody to cancer. I've not had, I've not had to trust God in that way. I've not lost my spouse. Some of you have. And God has perfectly positioned you to be a blessing to some people that I cannot bless because I haven't had that experience. The question is, do you have that perspective? So I asked Jenny, I said, Jenny, how does this perspective change how you go through difficulties and trials? Here's her answer, and I'll quote her. She said this, it completely changes how you go through the difficulty. What? What changes it? The perspective. The perspective changes how you feel about the loved one dying, about the, the, the betrayal at work, or, or the, the cheating wife or husband, about the whatever, about the suicide that took place. The perspective changes how you go through it. Does it make it all peachy and rosy and you feel good? No, it doesn't. There's pain there, but it changes how you go through it. Now, Jenny's using her story to be a blessing to others, to be an encouragement to others who are going through pain and loss. You see how this works? Internal growth and external growth. That's the perspective. God is using the difficulty for your growth. My question to you is simple. What perspective will you take? That's my choice. I get that choice. You get that choice. Like we read the Bible. You know, you know why I read the Bible? It's the number one reason I read the Bible. I did it again this morning. Perspective. I just want perspective. Why? Because perspective creates an emotional state, and my emotional state will drive my behavior and my actions towards who? Well, first of all, my wife, <laughs> okay, right? <laughs> then my children, then all of you and my staff, right? Perspective creates an emotional state. What perspective will you take? Oh, God is punishing me. Nothing ever works out. Faith doesn't work. If, if faith would have worked, then this wouldn't have happened, right? That's a perspective. That's going to create an emotional state, and that emotional state is going to determine your actions. Or will you take the perspective that God is using this trial for my growth internally and externally? Whoa, that's a game changer, yes or no? See, this is not a talk, folks. Listen, I'm giving a talk, right? The talk is over, <laughs> mostly. It's over, but this is not a talk. You know what this is? This is a way of seeing. This is, a, this is a path. This is a perspective on reality of what God is doing in your life through difficulty. That's what this is. The question is, will you take it up and will you put it on? My, my challenge to you, my question is, which perspective will you take? My challenge to you is to take the perspective I gave you today and try it out. Just try. What do you got to lose? Just try it out this week. With every difficulty you, that comes up this week and from the past, take this new lens, put it on, and look at that problem and look at that difficulty and that trial through the lens of, oh, God was using this to grow me internally and externally. And just see what happens to your emotional state. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Throw it out. But something tells me that God will use it in your life to bring encouragement to your soul, to lead you to live an unshakable life. Now, let me close with this. There's a perspective that some of you have walked in with today on God, and I want to offer a different perspective. And the reason I know that some of you have this perspective is because I talk to a lot of people who have this perspective about God. I had it as a younger person. And the perspective is this. 
Last night we had somebody come to church at the four o'clock and they said, man, they were, it was their first time here. They were invited by a friend. And when I questioned him, I said, you know, why did you come? And you know, who, you know, who invited you, this person? The person almost didn't come and here was their perspective. If I come to church, the place will burn down. That's what he said. And I almost didn't come. Now, what's the, what, it, what is behind that funny statement? What's behind that funny statement is this. Listen, I'm such a sinner that the only thing, the only emotion that God feels towards me is anger. And some of you have that perspective. That God's mental and emotional state towards you is just disappointment. At one, after another, after another, he's just angry with you. You probably, if you died right now, you probably wouldn't make it to heaven. That's a perspective. Maybe you developed that from the home you grew up in or the church that you, that you used to go to. I'm not sure. But the perspective is that God is angry with sinners, and you're one of them. And I get that because I've had it. I had that perspective. And I'm so glad to be standing in front of you today to share a different perspective. I went to church when I was about 16 or 17, and I heard a different perspective. The, the preacher said to me, listen, here's the deal. With sinners and God, he loves them. He adores them. He chases after them. There's no mountain he wouldn't climb to be with a sinner. There's no wall he wouldn't knock down to be with a sinner. There's no lie he wouldn't tear down to be with a sinner. He chases after them. In fact, it's for sinners that he sent his son. Romans 5 verse 8 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't come for good people. Are there any good people out there? Anybody? If you raise your hand, you're a liar. <laughs> right? Jesus didn't come for those who got their act cleaned up. Jesus didn't come for the perfect people, the righteous people. Jesus came for the sick. He's a doctor for the soul. He's the healer of mankind. He came to die on a cross for sinners because he loves them. Well, that perspective changed everything. I thought, well, I qualify because I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've treated my mother wrong, treated this person wrong. I'm a deceiver. I'm a liar. I'm a manipulator. I, I qualify. If he came for sinners, like I need to run. And sure enough, I ran to the cross. And I ran into the arms of Jesus because I heard a different perspective. I heard that he doesn't want to punish me. He wants to put his arms around me and, and put a ring on my finger and shoes on my feet and put a robe around me and say, welcome home. Whoa. That changed my life when I was 17. And as you can see, it still affects me. Some of you watch me worship and I raise my hands and I do a little movement. <laughs> Why? Why? Because he ambushed me with love. And I'll never be the same. And it's enough for me to raise my hands, and it's enough for me to cry out, and it's enough for me to say thank you and worship him with everything I have. And sometimes that demonstrates itself physically. That's a perspective some of you need to hear today. God is not angry with you. If you're a sinner today and you know it, he loves you. And he came to die on a cross for you. And if you'd reach out to him in faith today, he will make you his child, his son and his daughter. And for some of you, today is that day. 
And I'm going to say a simple prayer, and you just, all you need to do is reach out to him in faith and trust him to be your savior like I did when I was 17. And embrace his grace and his love. Will you pray with me? Just reach out. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for chasing me down, never giving up, going all the way to the cross for me, dying for my sins, and rising again so I can be your child. I embrace you today by faith. I trust you. I place my life in your hands. Wash me, cleanse me. And from this day forward, give me your perspective on life. Help me to love you, help me to obey you, to honor you and to cherish you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Can we give God glory today, church? If you just, if you just trusted Christ, our church would love to put a, a New Testament in your hand. It's a new believer's New Testament. It's chock full of helpful things inside here to uh, get you started on your walk with Christ. There's tables back here to my right and to my left. If you watched online, please check that box that says, I accepted Christ. Put your address on there. We'll send one to you in the mail. And uh, we really just want to get you started on your new journey. If you are still curious about Christianity and you still have some questions and doubts about the Bible or God or theological questions and you'd like to have a safe place to talk about those questions and doubts, we have something called Starting Point available for you. Uh, you can talk to our team about that. We'd love for you to sign up for that. That's a short-term, small group that's designed specifically to talk about issues of faith. So one more time, church, can we give God glory for what he's done? Amen. Some of you know uh, this song we want to close with today. It's called It Is Well. It was written by someone who lost his family at sea. And maybe you didn't know that. It's a famous song. And we specifically chose this song because of, this, of the situation. That even though terrible things can happen to us and we can lose loved ones, God can still come into our life and heal us up if we have the right perspective. So would you stand to your feet? We're going to close with the song, It Is Well, and then our team is going to come back up and wrap us up.
so we